Hey, saints, how you doing? Good. So good to sense the presence of God. It's awesome. I want to share some thoughts this morning about sharing the grace of God with our world and sharing the, the revelation of grace with unbelievers. And, um, and I, I really feel like the early believers had an understanding that was so important in, in the, as they shared the revelation of Christ and the, the revelation of the new covenant. Jesus said that if we follow him, he would make us fishers of men. Following him would make us fishers of men. And the scripture says that when he chose the 12, that the first thing he did was he said he, in Mark, I believe it's chapter three of the gospel of Mark, says that he chose the apostles that first of all, that they would be with him. And then he would send them forth to proclaim. So by being with him and following him, we, we learn awesome realities and awesome things about how to reach this world. And I believe the, the first church really saw some things that, that were just mind-blowing that, that maybe we need tweaking and, and clearer insight on. Um, one thing I, th I think they really realized is that... Um, and I mean the church as a whole, the church worldwide needs, needs to see some of the things that this early church saw because look at the results, look what, they, look what happened. I mean, they turned cities upside down with a, with a message, with the power of the Spirit in ways that, that we yearn to see in our city and other cities and in the world. And so they, they, they were taught by Jesus himself uh, something that, that I believe was just, oh, just amazing. Um, Scripture says that when, uh, when Jesus moved from Nazareth, that he, he moved to Capernaum. And it was in fulfillment, the Scripture says, of Isaiah the prophet that said, they who live by the sea, by the way of the sea, beyond Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, have seen a great light. And a light has dawned on them. And then it says, the very next verse says, and Jesus began there to preach, saying, repent or change your mind, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. His, his message was the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The phrase at hand actually means within reach now. The kingdom of heaven is at, within reach now. And what I think he was saying is that Change your mind, enlarge your thinking, change how you see God, how you see yourself, how you see heaven, because heaven is coming to you. Heaven is coming to you. That phrase, the kingdom of heaven, or the kingdom of God, which are interchangeable terms, kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven, has a lot of definitions in the church. Different people have different definitions of what that means, the kingdom of heaven. And the most accepted, I guess, definition out there is, is it's the rule of God on the earth. The rule of God on the earth. And that's, that's true. The kingdom of heaven is the rule of God on the earth. But it is so not all that it's it, that it is. Um, this is what I believe. I'm just going to put it out there. I believe 
that the kingdom of heaven, the message of the kingdom of heaven, the good news of the kingdom of heaven is a message that an alternate reality has come to earth. I believe the glad tidings of the kingdom of heaven is a message that a parallel universe that has been closed to mankind has now been opened. I believe that the violent sound of the rushing wind when the Spirit fell on Pentecost was the opening of that door to this realm. I believe that when you receive the Spirit, you and I are translated from the kingdom of this darkness into the kingdom of the beloved Son. I believe we have so shortchanged this work of Christ that it is amazing. That's why they were beside themselves telling people about this. It was a new world that had come to earth. God's world had come. And it wasn't like men think, Jesus said. Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven doesn't come like men think. It doesn't come with this person doing this or this person doing that. And, and you say, oh, there it is, or lo, there it is. Because the kingdom of heaven is really not acts or deeds. That's the fruit. That's the fruit of this realm. But the realm itself is, as Clark says, it is a state of being. It is a realm that is a state of being. Paul says the kingdom of heaven is within you, in the spirit. It is righteousness, peace, and joy. So what does this mean? This means that we are actually, when we, when we really grasp this, I think, in a greater way, we're not going to be inviting people or the world to come to church necessarily. See, I think there, we have this thing about, the, you know, inviting people to, you know, come to church, come to church, and that's great. But I'm telling you, the early church, they didn't even have buildings and churches for 300 years. They talked about another realm. They didn't talk about joining an organization. They talked about a reality that they could bring someone into and, and they would just explode and they would tell others and they would explode and they would eventually gather and get together because they loved getting together and breaking bread and having meals together and getting, but it wasn't about the building, it wasn't about the organization, it wasn't about the church, it was about this other reality that Christ had brought. Jesus himself was among them and revealing himself to them because he himself was in them. I, I think that it, it, it makes so much uh, sense when you see some of the things that Jesus said. It makes sense now. Like Jesus, Jesus would say things like this. Like before he went to Lazarus to raise Lazarus from the dead, he said, he said you know, the, the people of this world have 12 hours in the day for daylight and they walk during the daylight so they don't stumble. And, and they don't walk at night and they have that time when they walk, they have the light. And he says, because they don't have the light within them. He goes, but I have a light from another world within me. And that light in me is telling me now it's time to walk. It's time to go. It's time to raise Lazarus. He spoke of these two worlds all the time. He said, they who come to me will find pasture and they will go in and out, in and out and find pasture. 
He's not talking about after we die physically. He's talking about right now. We live in two worlds now in Christ. We can go in and be, get nourished by him and come out, so to speak, and minister to the world and go in and out and be nourished spiritually because he says you are no longer from below but from above. I will not take you out of the world, he says, but I will keep you in the world. I will keep you from the evil in the world, but you, you will be a witness to me in the world. See, I, I'm convinced, saints, that this thing is huge. This is huge. This is a huge vision of what the kingdom of heaven really is inside of us. So what are we saying? We're saying that you mean I can live in a world where God is my dad all the time? You mean I can live in a world where, where my sin is not counted against me? You mean I can live in a world that, that, uh, that I'm righteous 24-7 all the time with the righteousness of another? You mean I can live in, as I walk the earth as one who has already died and gone through judgment and is alive? It is written, he who believes on me shall not come into judgment, but has already passed from death and into life. You mean I can live my life with complete access to God the Father? Come boldly to the throne of grace to find help and mercy in time of need. You mean I can actually live every day knowing that God loves me unconditionally every day, no matter how I blow it? It's another world. That's what I'm talking about. It's another world. And when this becomes so real in, inside of us and in the church worldwide, we're not, gonna, we're not so much trying to invite people to come to church because they will come to church if, if, if it's a church that's like this. No. But, <laughs> but what I'm saying is we'll invite people to come to him and walk through a door that he has opened that no man can shut into his world. The glad news of the kingdom of heaven turned cities and turned religion upside down because what it was, it totally made religion uh, uh, irrelevant, completely irrelevant. That's why Paul said the wisdom of God has made the wisdom of this world vanity and void. Because if he has already judged us for our sin, if he has raised a new creation, if he has joined us to himself, if he's already brought us to heaven, for we are now seated with him in heavenly places, if we are now the sons and daughters of God, heirs, what is there left for religion to do in its sin management? <laughs> and see, this scares religion to death, this kind of talk, because Natural man doesn't see the wisdom of God. It is a revelation. Grace is a revelation. The new covenant is a revelation. It's counterintuitive. Natural man will resist grace every time because it is foolishness of the natural mind. It comes by revelation because it is not of man, not of this world. But it is such awesome news. It's, it, is, it is the glad news that the early disciples spread. Jesus sent them out and said, go forth and preach the kingdom of heaven. Heal the sick and raise the dead and cast out demons. And if they don't receive you, tell them the kingdom of heaven came close to them today. See, all that was just manifestations of the other realm, that realm's power. And that's not a bad definition of the the rule of God in the earth, that's not a bad definition of the kingdom of heaven, but it's just so much more. But I will tell you this, there is a rule in that kingdom, a rule that will never, never be voided, and that rule is this, that your sins 
will never be held against you again. That's the one big rule of the kingdom. For the lamb who was slain sits on the throne and there is no higher authority. In fact, that is the cross, the bread and wine we take to remember that he took away our sin. That is the linchpin that unravels all of darkness. There is no condemnation in this kingdom. No matter how we think we've blown it. And what, what's so cool about it is that we, we begin to just take in. We take in truth, this truth. Jesus said it's like leaven. It's like a woman takes three measures of leaven and puts it in the dough and lets it rest until the whole thing is leavened. He took what sin does. Sin also leavens in the way it does, way it works. But he took that same principle and says, ah, but the kingdom of heaven's like that too. I know what I'll do. I'll, I'll beat a virus with another virus is what God said. I'll beat a virus with another virus, the virus of sin that just, that like leaven overcomes us in the flesh and our minds. I'll put another virus in them if they'll receive it. This virus of the kingdom of heaven, a leaven that overcomes and pulls down strongholds. I'm telling you saints, it is not as hard as we think it is. Listen, I really believe this. It's not as hard as we think it is. Once we see and believe this other reality, this other realm, it will be as leaven in us like a virus. It will work in us as we abide. Those kids, they were, they were kids that were apostles in their 20s. They didn't have to wait till they were 80 years old to get the truth and get it together. They were kids and they moved and they changed the world because they saw the simplicity of another world had come. Christ was in them. And they, they didn't know a whole lot, but they knew that God loved them and that they were righteous because of Christ. And they moved with boldness and they had peace and joy. The Lord said, I give you my joy. I give you my peace, not as the world gives. I give you my joy, Jesus said. I give you my peace, not as the world gives. They lived in his world, in his kingdom, in his realm. A realm that was only in him at first. And then as his work was accomplished, given to all who believed. Translating us from the kingdom of this darkness into the kingdom of the beloved son. Now I'll tell you what, saints, also one of the biggest things in this other realm is that you and I in this other realm, that's why he called it the kingdom of the beloved son. In this other realm, we are beloved by God. Every second, every second. You know, I think one of the secrets to the early church is that they lived a life of being beloved by God every second. Not based on what they did or didn't do, an unconditional love that they woke up in the morning, no matter how they might have blown it the night before, hearing the Father, I love you, son. Wake up, I love you. This doesn't make sense to the natural mind. This doesn't make sense to religion. This doesn't, people say this won't work. It makes as much sense as a man getting out of a boat and walking on the water. <laughs> oh yeah, that happened. It makes as much sense as a, a man putting mud in someone's eyes and him seeing again. It makes, as, it makes as much sense as someone lifting a shepherd's staff and parting a Red Sea and saving an entire nation. It makes as much sense as someone simply saying, Lazarus, come forth. 
Didn't I say, Jesus said, if you would but believe, you would see the glory of God. We can see what only God can do. And I believe, I'm convinced that this is one of the things the early church had is this revelation of the kingdom of heaven, this, this alternate reality, this parallel universe that was once closed off to man because of sin, but now has been opened. The book of Revelation, Jesus says, I have opened the door that no man can shut on you now. Come in. He goes, I am the door. And so everyone who has believed enters into this other reality and becomes by an act of creation, a son and daughter of God. I'm just beside myself about this. I really am. I mean, this, this is huge. It's changing so much in me. I mean, you and I have within us the Lord himself and the realm is within us. That's why this shadow could heal the sick. That's why things happened that was just unbelievable because they, it was not just a theology or a doctrine and they weren't trying to be good people. This is not of man. This is an invasion of God in a way that, Paul says, it's, Paul says we speak the, the wisdom of God in a mystery. We speak the wisdom of God in a mystery that was hidden in God and now revealed. Things that eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor has it entered into the mind of man. But God has given us the spirit that we might know these things, even the deep things of God. See, that's, that's real church, is really knowing him in union with him, living in this other reality, and encouraging each other in the faith. No longer do we see each other after the flesh. Paul says, no, no man after the flesh anymore. Another thing... A second thing I think the early church saw to spread the good news of Jesus was this. They saw this awesome truth. Okay, Peter had a vision. Peter had a vision, and he saw this white sheet, the four corners of a white sheet come down in Acts chapter 10. This white sheet with unclean animals in it came out of heaven and was lifted to where Peter could see it. And he heard a voice out of heaven say, slay and eat, kill and eat this uncle these unclean animals. Probably some pigs in there, you know, unclean to the Jew, under the law. And Peter says, I, you know, I'm a Jew. I don't, I don't eat, eat that stuff. You know, it's unclean. She went back up, came back a second time. The voice spoke a second time. Kill and eat. Make some bacon. <laughs> Peter goes, I, 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 don't, I don't do that. I'm a Jew. And then so a third time, God speaks to Peter three times. Comes down and says, Take and eat. And then the voice speaks and says this. What God has cleansed, no longer consider unholy. Wow. Wow. God showed Peter that he should call no man unholy again because God had cleansed the world. This is huge. The four corners of the white sheet speaks of the four corners of the world. And they were coming down from heaven, speaks of God sees them already in heaven, if they will but believe. See, God was in Christ, reconciling the whole world to himself, and God wants us to see people as already forgiven, because they are. 
They are already forgiven. They need only receive it, only believe it. And it's true, of course, if they don't believe, they will die in their sin. If they don't believe, they will die and face the judgment for their sin. That's true. But we are to have faith for people. The early church had faith for people. They saw them already forgiven. They need only believe because the Lord's not going to do anything else. He sat down. The scripture says after he purged us from all our sin, all sin for all people, for all sin, for all time, he sat down on the right hand of God. He tasted death for every man. He said, if I be lifted up between heaven and earth, I will draw all men unto me. It explains so much. That's why he could eat with sinners and eat with them and the Pharisees would drive them crazy. You know, like, why are you with these guys? You know, why are you acting like this? Why don't you condemn this woman who's caught in the very act of adultery? You know, why, do, why do you talk to this Samaritan woman who's got five divorces and she's been living with a man? What do you, what? He saw them all through himself, through his work forgiven. Oh, woman, if you only knew who I was, I would give you water to drink and you would never thirst again. You see, it's not a matter of what people are doing or not doing. We're to, the early church saw people after the spirit, not after the flesh. They either saw people that were, had the life or didn't have the life. Didn't matter what they were doing. What's so cool about this? It, 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 it makes you attractive. People are attracted to a sense that they're not being judged or condemned or looked down upon. You know? They... they <laughs> That's kind of cool, preaching in the darkness. <laughs> Speak the truth in darkness. <laughs> but isn't that cool? That's, that's, the, that's the way people, people were drawn to the early church. Think about this, saints. When Jesus taught, the cities would empty to go hear him. Only the religious would stay behind. They wouldn't go. The religious wouldn't, they wouldn't go, they wouldn't. But everybody else, they would leave their jobs, they would go, they, were, they held on every word. What was coming out of his mouth that was, was, it was, it was such a spirit of grace and acceptance, no one had ever spoken like this. In fact, the Pharisees sent one of their spies, one of the religious people sent their spies and said, go check and see what this guy's doing. The whole world is going after him. And when the, 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 uh, the spies went up there, they, they came back and told the religious people, wow. I never heard a man speak like this. And they got all mad at him because like, they said, oh, you become a disciple also, what's going on? But what was, what was it that drew people? See, I, think about this, saints, think about this. What, how would it change you? How would it change you and I if, if we, number one, saw ourselves living in this alternate reality all the time, this parallel universe called the kingdom of heaven all the time, where we have direct access to the Father by the Spirit, as the scripture says, where we have con continual favor from the Father toward us because of what Christ did, not because of what we do, living by another's righteousness, resting in that righteousness, how would it change us if in that place of rest, we look at people, imagine walking in the mall, and everybody's walking in the mall, imagine looking at all these people as already forgiven, what God has cleansed, no longer call unholy. That's a word from God himself to Peter. Three times, God told Peter, what God has cleansed, no longer call unholy. Wow. Because God calls things that are not as though they are. 
Yes, they're still in their sin. Yes, they're apart from him now, but he calls things that are not as though they are. And as the sons of the king, he wants us to live that way and see people to make it, to show them how easy it is to believe. They saw people like that. They saw people forgiven. They saw people already reconciled. They would change the way we approach people, the way we talk to people. And thirdly, I, I see a third thing that the early church saw that was so powerful. They, they saw this other reality. They saw the kingdom of heaven as this fixed reality, as this state of being. And they saw people already forgiven and already reconciled to God. They need only believe. But thirdly, they had a very clear gospel, a very clear gospel. And what I mean by that, what I mean by that is when, you, when, I, when I hear sometimes invitations go out or on TV or at churches and that kind of thing or radio, I hear people say things like, you know, um, you know make Jesus Lord of your life. If you want to make Jesus Lord of your life, come forward. Um, um, or I hear things like, ask Jesus into your heart. If you, uh, you know, ask Jesus, if you want to ask Jesus into your heart, come forward. Um, or I hear things like, um, if you want to surrender all, surrender all to God, come forward. But if you think about those things that we're saying, none of those things are the, are the good news. It's not good news to tell someone to surrender to God. It's a little threatening. <laughs> it's not good news to tell someone to uh, ask Jesus into their heart. I mean, I, I'm not sure what they even mean by that. I mean, you know what I'm saying? How can an unbeliever relate? What are you talking about? It's not good news to tell someone to make Jesus Lord of their life. Um, that's not good news. I mean, those are things that happen after a person becomes a believer. The Spirit will do those things. But that's not what brings the Spirit. That's not what gets someone born again. That's not what opens the door to this other rea reality, this other realm. But what does open the door is a simple word as Paul, as Peter was speaking to Cornelius, Cornelius and them in that house, as he was sent after this vision to go to Cornelius and go to these Gentiles, Peter simply said in Acts chapter 10, he said, all the prophets give witness that whosoever believes on him, on this Jesus, whosoever believes on him shall receive the forgiveness of all sin. And the scripture says that when Peter spoke those words, those words, the Holy Spirit fell to those and fill those who are listening to the message. See that phrase, the forgiveness of sins, the enemy has so put so much baggage on that phrase that that doesn't even have the impact it used to have. What should be said, what should be said is, to say it clearly, it should be something like, if you believe on this Jesus, all your sins for your past your present, your future, they're completely forgiven, forgiven. And no other sin will ever be counted against you again for the rest of your life on earth. That's good news. That's good news. To tell someone, to tell an unbeliever that, you know, 
I live in a whole different world. I used to live in this world, but now I live in a whole different reality, man. God used to not be my dad, now he's my father. I've been born of him. Um, I live in this other place now that sin is not counted against me, ever. But righteousness is counted for me, always. Um, I'm learning how to live by him. He's my life. And the more I walk with him, the more dependent I am on him, for apart from him, I can do nothing. And I see, uh, I see this, uh, this thing happening in my mind, this renewal of the mind. It's like uh, a virus that's uh, changing the way I see things, the way I think. It's just, it's just, I can't stop it. It's just the more I think about him, the more I see him, it's just happening. Strongholds are being pulled down because I'm just resting. And if you will believe in this one, you can receive the complete forgiveness of all your sins and live the rest of your life on earth where your sins are no longer counted against you. That's grace. That's the good news. So just to wrap it up, I just, I just feel like the early believers had this, this, this revelation of the kingdom of heaven as a, as a whole another world they lived in. It wasn't something that, um, you know, as, as is commonly taught today, if, if you sin as a believer, you're out of fellowship with God and, and you have to do certain things to get back in fellowship with God. That's, that's so wrong and so unscriptural. In this kingdom, you're never out of fellowship with God. The basis of our fellowship is the blood of the lamb and not our, not our obedience or disobedience. And that's one of the things that robs us of this reality when we take in um, the lies of religion that says, hey, when you sin, you're out of fellowship and you need to name all those sins or do something. Everybody's got a different thing you gotta do to get back into fellowship with God. That's not true. That's not the scripture. That's not the reality. And that's just one of the big ones that keeps people from experiencing this, this explosion on the inside of his love. I, one thing I've, I've really learned also is that, man, we don't have to try to convince anybody of anything. What's so cool, like Bill Snell sent me an email the other day and said, isn't it cool how God is already at work in people, preparing the harvest, preparing people, and that's so true. God's already at work in people to hear what you have to say, and we don't have to convince anybody. We just have to just plant seeds because it is a revelation. Grace is a revelation. It must be revealed. And so you, it's not something that just, you can just force on someone and, and convince somebody of. But in faith, we rest knowing that God's already at work and we drop seeds and plant seeds. And we'll say, consider this, consider that, consider this. And let the Spirit work. For one man plants, one man waters, but God gives the increase. God does it. it was, it's a rest. Anyway, I just, I just feel like that one mark of the true gospel is joy. And um, when we really see more and more about how he's brought us into this other reality, the joy is contagious. That's one thing the early church, they said about them. They couldn't, they couldn't help but speak what they've seen and heard. They didn't have to organize you know, evangelistic groups. They just couldn't stop talking about it. And that's what is happening among us. It's cool. There's a, there's a book that's such a, a 
recommended by uh, Philip Yancey called What's So Amazing About Grace. Um, it's, it's been out for several years, but it's a great book. If you haven't read it, it's awesome. What's So Amazing by, About Grace by Philip Yancey. But in the end of the book, it talks about this thing that actually happened in England. They had this rock concert and, um, to raise money for some cause. And they had uh, Jesse Norman, the African-American woman opera singer, close the, the act after 12 hours of rock bands and Guns N' Roses and the crowd, 70,000 people at this stadium, uh, you know, drunk on booze and dope and all kind of stuff and crazy. And Jesse Norman, she walks out at the very end and, and um, she begins to sing Amazing Grace without any musical background or back, uh, backup or anything and just acapella. And, and she began to sing Amazing Grace. Before she started singing, they were like restless, yelling out for, for more guns and roses and and she began to sing Amazing Grace. And after she sang that first, first uh, stanza, the whole crowd just went quiet. And then she went to the second stanza. And then a few of the people there started singing with her Amazing Grace. And uh, Philip Yancey says in his book, they, they pull back memories years ago of a song they heard years ago and began to sing with her and then she finished the song and the, and the whole stadium was silent. And they asked her, you know, what, what happened? What was that? And, and Jesse said, I don't know. I don't know what power that was that descended on that stadium that night. And Philip Yancey said, I think I know. He said, the world is thirsting for grace. And when grace descends, the world falls silent before it. It's like too good to be true. Lord, we just thank you for helping us see your work. Lord, help us to communicate your grace. Lord, I pray that we would see your kingdom, your other reality, that we might rest. And Lord, we pray that you would confirm the word of your grace with signs and wonders and, and with the power of the spirit that people would see that we are living in another world. I pray we would never get discouraged because we have received mercy, we faint not. I thank you, Father, that we live in this place that you have prepared for us. In Jesus, in Jesus in us, by the gift of the Holy Spirit. Remind us, Lord, that all men have been cleansed by your work and we're to call no man unholy. Give us words of wisdom, Lord, to invite people into another world. Help us be clear. Help us speak with no leaven of the law 
but a simple word of complete forgiveness through faith in this one Jesus. Complete forgiveness. Sin never to be remembered again for the rest of our lives. For in this new covenant, I'll remember their sins no more and I will be merciful to all their iniquities. I am the lamb that was slain and who is alive forevermore. I sit on the throne and there is no word higher than mine, says the Lord.